Hello, this is Melanie McMullen and Hannah Hurley, and you're listening to the IoT Integrator Wire brought to you by The Channel Company and sponsored by Intel. We focus on integrators and innovators who are building Internet of Things technology solutions. Our stories are available online at www.theiotintegrator.com, on Twitter at IoT Solution Provider, and on Flipboard at the IoT Integrator Update. And you're listening to episode 21, The Brave New World of Hospitality Robots. And today we welcome Steve Cousins. He's the founder and CEO of Savioke, a San Jose, California-based company, and he's creating autonomous robotic technology to help people in the services industry. Steve's on the board of directors at the Open Source Robotics Foundation and is an expert in personal and service robotics development and human-computer interaction. So welcome, Steve. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So first off, tell us a little bit about yourself and just share some insights on your role there. Uh, I started this company back in 2013 with a number of co-founders. And at that time, there were really no robots in hotels. Um, I'm a computer scientist by training and and had always wanted to do a startup and realized at Willow Garage, my last position, that there's just a great opportunity for robots to serve people in in the hospitality and service industry. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Everyone always loves our robotics stories and to talk about robots. So how, how did you like how long ago did you first become interested in robotics and how did how did they grab your attention? Uh, I think I've actually always been interested in robots, the ability to make something uh, move at a distance and do something useful. Um, I remember some, uh, you know, remote control toys as a kid, they were wired, um, yeah. but that, that was sort of exciting. And um you know, more recently in, um, I mean, in college, I, I took some robotics classes, but really I became seriously involved in robotics about 15 years ago when Willow Garage was created. Um, and Willow was basically a think tank um, and incubator. Uh, we called it a, uh, a halfway house for wayward researchers on their way to create startups. <laughs> That's um, great. I love that. And, and so, you know, it was, a, it was an exciting place and, and I had the opportunity to lead the team there. Yeah, let me share some background on, you know, I know you have an open source robot operating system that, you know, some of our readers may know a little bit about, but uh, tell us a little more about that and how, you know, it is open source and shared. Willow Garage was, as I said, kind of an interesting place. And one of the things, one of the principles there was that the work that we would do would be open source. Um, And so we, um, we were looking to build a personal robot that was very capable. And there were some open source uh, software packages for robot navigation in 2D and a little bit of work in 3D at the time. Um, but we wanted to pull it all together because we were building a, a robot that had um, four wheels that could move around through space and it had two arms, um, a total of, I think, 32 degrees of freedom on the robot that was called the PR2. And so we wanted to build an open source software framework that could take advantage of all the stuff that this, you know, research, uh, sort of state-of-the-art research robot could do. Um, it, the, the, the software for it came from, a lot of it came from Stanford, but um, also Brian Gerke, who now leads the Open Source Robotics Foundation, um, had been doing some open source work along with Nate Koenig out of uh, Southern California, and, and they also joined the team. And so it was really a bringing together the best open source ideas of the time and trying to put together a framework that would work. And the result was fantastic. The result um, ended up getting adopted pretty much across academia and then used as the basis for, you know, probably 
tens or hundreds of startups uh, since then. So it's, it's very successful in terms of the impact of that particular open source software package. Yeah, that's, pre- that's pretty fascinating. You know, I, we write a lot about all the different ways that robotics are put to work, you know, from industrial robots in manufacturing. So how did you decide to pursue sort of the hospitality hotel model as one of your target markets for Savioke? So we looked at, back in Willow Garage days, we looked at the state of robotics. And, and as you said, there's a lot of robots in factories for the last 60 years. Um, we saw robots moving into logistics. When I looked forward, I said, the next place beyond logistics is going to be the service industry. And so we, we looked broadly at the service industry to start and then identified hotels as a a market where we thought we could create a product that could work well and um, and provide value. I think we were a little bit early in that um, back in 2013, but um, sort of anticipating your next question, the yeah. uh, the pandemic really did uh, change the world in many ways, of course, but but in particular uh, created a labor shortage or resulted in a labor shortage, and also the pandemic changed our attitudes about what we want in terms of dealing with strangers. So, um, you know, do we want uh, somebody coming to our door that we don't know uh, to bring us something or would we rather have a robot? There was always people, even since we started the company who thought a robot would be the right way to do that. You don't have to tip it, you don't have to get dressed for it. But now you have another reason why you want a robot and the hotel people got this as well, which is uh, it will never sneeze on you. Right. <laughs> right. That's good. So that's a pretty important thing, right? <laughs> not carrying any germs. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, post pandemic, everyone realized that, you know, there's a, something really nice here in terms of the ability to, you know, safely deliver things to guests. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. I was uh, looking at some of your robots and, you know, some of them have their own Instagram pages and um, it's pretty fascinating how they've become uh, so, sort of little superstars uh, on their own, which I find really interesting. Yeah, there's one in Japan that that got the most the, the best ratings of any staff member, and the hotel had a rule <laughs> that um, the the staff member that got the highest ratings got promoted, and so that robot is a supervisor now. Well, <laughs> that's great. So it you know it sounds like basing on what you're talking about, how you know that really the worker shortage has has in the last couple of years has really pushed you know, the demand for your robots. So it looks like, I mean, I've been seeing your articles that their robots are kind of showing up in all kinds of hotel chains. Yeah. And, and it's always interesting, you know, what makes a robot work well at one hotel or, you know, is used less than another one. But across the board, we've seen an increase in utilization in all different kinds of hotels you know, through the pandemic. So before the pandemic, you know, it might be used, uh, you know, 15 times a day, but coming out of the pandemic, you know, there's more like 45 deliveries a day happening. And so that's just a, um, you know, it's a big jump. And what we see is that, you know, the hotels that, that really uh, market it to their guests um, really see a, a market increase in use. And even though the, the number of guests at those hotels is probably lower now than it was before the pandemic, a lot of hotels aren't quite back to full occupancy. Still, you see, we see the robots getting used a lot more. You mentioned a lot about the benefits of using the robotics, but um, people always talk about ROI. What do you see as the value proposition for delivery robots? There's really three things. There's the, um, the, the ability to save labor. 
So you can staff the hotel, I mean, get for a given service level, right? So if you, if you want to be able to offer delivery to your guests in the middle of the night, you probably have to have two people on staff to do that. And so it may be possible to adjust your staffing in order to cover peak times with a robot that, you know, would be unaffordable without. So it's pretty easy to look at, at just a labor saving cost, but it's not just that the, the um, hotels that use it to offer new services to their guests can see an increase in revenue from service revenue. So if you deliver coffee to the room and there's a delivery fee, um, that offsets the cost of the robot. But the also you see top line growth for the hotels. So because the the make the robot makes a experience at the hotel better, you see people publishing, you know, writing about that on social media, that the word gets around that, you know, this this hotel provides this service. Um, and or provides more service. And, and as a result, the hotel either gets more occupancy or can command a higher room rate. Um, either one of those things increases their top line revenues. So, you know, the, the ROI comes in different ways, but it's, um, it's pretty easy to calculate the value of those things, uh, given a little bit of data. Well, and they're also just a lot of fun. <laughs> one of the things that we see in the videos is how easy it is for them to avoid objects and people and operate hotel elevators unassisted. Can you talk about some of the technologies that relay its intelligence and mobility? Yeah, so we we believe very strongly in um, in first and foremost making sure that you know avoiding avoids obstacles, which starts with you need to be able to see the obstacles. And so we've spent a lot of time um, evaluating and trying different sensors to make sure that we have a good view of what's in front of the robot as it moves. Um, and then we've added to that um, some novel um, navigation algorithms that give us the ability to smoothly uh, go around things as they come up. So the robot's always looking ahead and saying, oh, there's, you know, there's something in front of me, I'm gonna take a little to the left. And so if you just, you know, if you're, let's say five feet in front of it and you, you're, or you step five feet in its path in front of it, um, it'll just notice you and just smoothly go around and it, it's just natural the way that it goes. You know, I think that we spent a lot of time in the early days um, on tuning that uh, navigation software, and then we've been continually doing that for eight years. And so it's it's a pretty elegant system at this point in terms of how it works. So I know you're an advocate of the robots as a service model. Describe what makes that work in hospitality and could it be successful in other markets? Yeah, I think it... Um, you know, if you think about it, the as a service kind of models, what what happened when we adopted PCs back in the back in the late 20th century um, was that eventually everybody had to have IT departments and help desks, help you know desk side support and things. And as robots come into the service industry, we thought it was unlikely that uh, hotels were going to want to have yet another have to hire yet another person, you know, the, the chief robot officer or whatever um, for the hotel. And rather, um, if we can provide a service, it's much easier to adopt and, and there's not as many hidden costs. So what the model that we propose is that we bundle the entire maintenance um, and support of the robot into a service, a monthly service fee. And the, the, what the hotel gets is a delivery service that just works. Um, and we bundle uh, cloud services with a call center, with the robot itself, all those things together really to make it so that when a guest calls and asks for something and the front desk staff puts it in the robot, that 
delivery is going to get to that guest in a timely manner. And, and we can guarantee that by, by knowing that if something went wrong with the robot, the cloud service would catch it and would tell a person. And, and so you never have a case where, you know, the ice cream that you sent to the guest is melting in the hall and nobody knows, right? And that, and that just basically takes a load off of the, of the staff because, and, and that's the goal. The goal is, is to be a team member with that front desk staff so that they can respond to a, a request from a guest, know that, that, re- that what they've done um, to send something to that person is going to get there and they don't have to worry about it and they can go back to serving other guests in the lobby or, or on the phone. Well, it really feels like we're finally ready for lots of markets to start taking on um, ro- robotics. And I'm wondering what you're seeing as the biggest growth areas in 2022. Well, I think um, logistics is sort of, you know, as I said, kind of the indus- the second industry after manufacturing. And we, we see growth in manufacturing logistics still, because really the pandemic also changed those industries, right? We're just all used to now getting things sent to our home. Um, a lot of retail has been replaced by online ordering and all of that drives the logistics industry. So those are obviously you know, huge growth areas and continue to be. In the service industry, I think hospitals will adopt this over time, but they're a little bit slower to move. Uh, retail stores are, are exploring in various ways and, and you've seen some growth uh, there. And I think um, restaurants are, are a big one. Recently, there's been a lot of uh, robots basically clearing the dirty dishes, um, and and that can be in a in the kind of labor shortage that we have right now is a very a big growth area. So so all of those I think are interesting. Um, we'll see you know going forward, senior living will continue to grow um, because you know there's also labor shortage there, and um, and the that market is continuing to grow as we age as a population. One other space that I find interesting is aviation. I've seen robots and um, in airport terminals and also in the parking lots to help move cars around. What do you think about that space? I would say that moving cars around in the parking lots is probably a short-term market um, because I, I think it's not going to be that long before cars move themselves around or or they're just, you know, robo-taxi kind of thing. I think, but, you know, I don't know when that's going to hit. We've been predicting that for for 15 years now, but, um, but it's going to hit at some point. Um, but uh, in terms of, of in the back of house at the airport, I think, you know, there is always a huge um, logistics challenge to move, to move luggage um, throughout. And, and even front of house, I think making the uh, very progressive airports try to make the traveler's experience better. And there's nothing like you know, being able to send your bags on ahead and not have to deal with them while you go into a restaurant and just have them at the gate when you get there. So I think there's a possibility for those kind of things as well. Yeah, that even feels like a good use for your hotel robots just to meet people at their cars and carry their bags up. Yeah, it's um, they're a little bit bigger than our robots if you're going to be carrying people's bags. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's always an interesting um, opportunity. So I have to ask the question that I'm sure you get a thousand times a day. Do people still live in fear that robots are going to take all of our jobs? Um, I think that that's a meme, right? I think it's something <laughs> yeah. that, that's sort of a, uh, just a reaction that people have. Like, oh, robot, robot's going to take my job. I walked into a, a hotel with a robot one time and the, um, the guy at the front door who was wearing a top hat and obviously, you know, a part of the character of the hotel, his costume and um, you know, work uniform. And he said, Oh, that robot's going to take my job. It was the first thing out of his mouth. And I thought, 
there's no way this robot's ever taking your <laughs> job, right? Unless the hotel changes. Um, you know, the whole point is that, you know, you look like you're from the 19th century. Um, and, and, you know, and that's part of the character here. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, straightforward, the um, robots don't take jobs. Robots join teams of people and make those people more efficient, just the same way that, you know, PC, your PC doesn't take your job. Your PC changes your job, makes you more efficient, makes you able to learn, to earn more money over time. Um, and we've seen that in many examples with robots already. We've seen where robots join a team of delivery people and the delivery people take home more money every night because they take all the high tip jobs and they give all the low tip jobs to the robots. Uh, we see nurses able to uh, provide better outcomes to patients because they're spending their time at bedside instead of spending their time carrying blood samples down to the lab. Um, and so I think you know generally with not, not just robots, but any technology, it changes jobs, it makes people more productive and gives us the opportunity to um, work at the top of our license as human beings. We are infinitely more capable uh, than any robots today. You know, the common sense that we have is amazing. And so I, I think, you know, this lets people basically become more satisfied, uh, safer um, and happier in their work. Well, thanks, Steve. This was really fascinating. Thank you very much for having me. And this is Melanie McMullen and Hannah Hurley. And you've been listening to the IoT Integrator Wire sponsored by Intel. You can learn more about IoT solutions on our website at www.theiotintegrator.com or follow us on Twitter at IoT Solution Provider and on Flipboard at the IoT Integrator Update. Thanks for listening and stay connected. Thank you.